A time is coming when nations will rise against nations. Famines will dry the world. Earthquakes will shake the foundations of the earth. A time of great evil and of great distress. The beginning of the end of the world. The end of time. The end of sin. Then, when no one expects, heaven will open. Jesus will return. The earth will be made new. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So keep watch and be ready for the beginning of the end. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for all of you who are watching online right now. Our 11 o'clock service is live. It wasn't live for one whole year. It was a recording from the 930 service, but now it's live and it's mask optional. And we invite you to come be a part of our 11 o'clock service. And I want to thank all of you who are here today in person on all of our campuses. Welcome so much to this service today. When Billy Graham flew in to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is, was his home, when he flew in, he was picked up by a limousine at the airport. Now, usually that didn't happen for him. Usually he drove his own car, just like we do when we go to the airport or somebody came to pick him up, like happens for, for us sometimes. But on this particular occasion, there was a limousine that came and picked him up. And he said to the limousine driver, I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Would you give me the opportunity of driving this limousine? I want to drive it. I, I, I've always wanted to drive a limousine, and I think it'd be so much fun. And the driver said, you can't do that. I, I'm supposed to be the driver. He said, would you please, would you get in the back, push all the buttons back there and have fun, and let me drive the limousine just this one time? And the driver said, well, okay, if that's what you want to do. So Billy Graham is behind the wheel, and he's on his way to his house. He's going down that major highway that led to his house, but he's driving a little bit too fast. He's having too much fun, and a police officer catches him speeding and pulls him over. Now, the officer comes up to the, the driver's side window and said, sir, can I have your driver's license, please? And he hands him his driver's license, and he looks at the driver's license. He looks at the picture, looks at the man at uh, Billy Graham, and then he says, just a minute, sir, and he goes back to his car. He is a rookie police officer. He's only been doing this for a few months. He gets on the phone with a supervisor and he said, sir, I do not know the protocol for this moment. He said, what happens when you pull over someone who is very, very, very special? What do you do then? And his supervisor said, well, who is it that you pulled over? He said, I don't know. I think it's Jesus Christ. And he said, what makes you think it's Jesus Christ? He said, it has to be. He's got Billy Graham as his chauffeur. <laughs> wouldn't you have loved, before Billy Graham died, wouldn't you have loved to spend some time with him one-on-one? -on -one? I mean, I wish I would have. I so respect him. I would have loved to have spent just a little bit of time one-on-one -on -one with Billy Graham 
And then just don't say anything. I just want to listen. Some of you maybe had gotten the opportunity, but I never I never did. Or what about, would you love to spend a little time with your favorite president, who was a president during your life, your favorite president for just a few moments? Or would you love to be with somebody, maybe a king or a queen, and in a palace and get to all the pomp and ceremony? Wouldn't that really be a great experience? You never forget it. How about being ushered into the throne room of the God of all creation. Now that is what I want to talk to you about today. We are in a series entitled The Beginning of the End. And in this series, that's a series on the second coming of Christ, we have already first in the first message, we've talked about sort of setting the stage. And part of that setting the stage was to see what the Bible talks about, describes Jesus, the glorified Jesus in heaven, what he looks like in Revelation chapter one. Last week, we, we looked at the signs of the times. Jesus actually gave us in Matthew chapter 24, what is the world going to look like? What's it going to be like just as he comes? What are the signs that Jesus gave us? And so we looked at those signs and we compared what those signs are to what our world looks like and what our country looks like today. It is amazing, the similarity. Now this morning, I want us to go to heaven. Last week I said to you, now next Sunday we're going to be in heaven, either in the flesh or in the sermon. So I don't know which one it'll be. Well, now we know. Here we are. I want us to go to heaven, and I want us to see at, uh, what John, the Apostle John, describes as being entering into the throne room of God. What does it look like? What did it feel like? What was it like? And I want us to see what John describes for us. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, you've left out a step. There's a pretty big step here. You left out the rapture of the church. The word rapture means the, the snatching away. First Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about that a time is coming when Jesus comes back and he snatches those away who are true followers of Jesus Christ. But I've taught on that passage at least two or three times, and the last time was when we were going through the book of 1 Thessalonians verse by verse. So let, let me just suffice it to say, the time is coming. The Bible says in which Jesus Christ, like a thief in the night, we don't know that it's the moment, but suddenly, in a day we're not expecting, suddenly Jesus arrives. And when he does, something will happen to us in not the blink of an eye, but the twinkling of the eye, which is actually a shorter period of time than just blinking our eyes. And Jesus will transform us. We will be changed from this body of flesh and blood to our glorified body that we'll have in heaven. And suddenly, instantly, we will be changed. And those who've already died and in heaven come back, they will be reunited with their body and their body changed through that glorified body. And our bodies will be able to fly without a plane. And we will meet him in the air, the Bible says and then he will take us to heaven. So let's imagine this has happened, and there we are. We've come to heaven. What does heaven look like? And that is what we're going to be talking about today. There was a, an interview that was done by 
uh, Rolling Stone magazine in fall of 2014. I don't read Rolling Stone magazine, but, but there was an interview, and I saw it on the, on the internet, an interview in 2014 of, of um, Stephen King, the guy who does all these horror shows, all movies, and just an incredibly talented guy. And he was being interviewed on, with that, uh, that moment, and he was asked several questions. And one of the questions he asked is, when you die, do you want to go to heaven? And he said, no. He says, you don't want to go to heaven. He said, well, what I heard when I was a little kid growing up, heaven would be like, it sounds like the most boring place in the world. You're strumming a harp and you're on top of a cloud. And why would I want to go spend the eternity doing that? And you know what? That's on us pastors because we have not really done a good job about talking about heaven sometimes. So here's what I want to ask you. Would you imagine the most exciting moment you've ever experienced in your life and multiply it by a million? That's what heaven's going to be like. Imagine the most peaceful moment that you've ever had in your life in which it was just peace and it was wonderful. You just wish it could last forever and multiply it by a million. And that is what heaven's going to be like. And imagine the most beautiful scene you've ever seen. Maybe, maybe it's, it's uh, seen mountaintops or maybe it's seen some beautiful lake or maybe it is the ocean. Whatever that scene was and multiply it by a million. And that's what heaven is going to look like. Bring it all together because the truth is it changes all the time. This is the greatest place, most wonderful place, most amazing place that we could ever be in. And that is the heaven that the Bible is talking about for us. Now, the Bible says that John sees the the curtains of heaven pulling back. And Jesus begins to explain to him in, in, in inviting him and showing him what the throne room in heaven will be like. So listen to what John describes. In Revelation chapter 4 and beginning in verse 1, notice what he says. And after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Now stop for a moment. Imagine, I mean, it's hard to, but imagine all of a sudden heaven has this door that opens up. And notice what happens. And there's a voice that I'd heard speaking to me like a trumpet. Now, we know what that voice is in chapter 1 of Revelation. It's Jesus. So all of a sudden, for John, here it is. There is a, a door that opens up of heaven, and it's the voice of Jesus Christ. And he says, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, he doesn't show him all of heaven. He only shows him the throne room of heaven, and that's what we're going to take a look at today. Now, I want us to stop for just a moment, and I'm going to ask you, those of you who are watching online, maybe in your living room, or if you're on a trip and maybe you're in a hotel and you're watching, or wherever you are, and those who are in person, I wonder how many of you know someone that you love who now lives in heaven. Would by an uplifted hand, you know somebody that lives in heaven that you love. I do too. My, my mom and dad live there. I've got a cousin that is there. I've got aunts and uncles. I've got so many people in all the churches and in this church that I have pastored. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that sounds crazy and I know it, especially those of you who are watching online in your living room. Are you serious? You're asking me to do this, but I actually am. I'm going to ask all of you that are watching online and all of you that are in person on any campus, would you do me a favor? In honor 
of the person that you know that lives in heaven, would you stand right now in their honor? You know somebody that lives in heaven and you stand, just stand in their honor. And it is a way of saying, I haven't forgotten you. You're in my heart. I remember. And I'm thinking of you right now. And now I'm asking you to think with me. The site that we are about to be introduced to, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if that person, those people that you know that live in heaven are right now physically seeing with their own eyes the very sight we're about to explain. I imagine that with my parents, that as we are talking about this scene, they're seeing it with their own eyes. I have felt a connection with that. So would you do it? Would you be thinking of that loved one as we walk through this? Thank you so much. You can be seated. And now let's take a look at what the Bible teaches about this. First of all, John explains to us that our God is reigning on his throne. Look at Revelation chapter 4 verse 2. At once I was in the spirit, meaning he came up out of his body and his spirit immediately went to heaven. At once I was in the spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone with a presence sitting on it. When John walks into the throne room of heaven, he doesn't see the pearly gates. He doesn't care about the the street of gold. He doesn't care about the angels. What catches his eye is the throne. And there is a presence on that throne. Now, what we're going to hear him say as we walk through what he said, what we're going to hear is the word like a whole lot. Like, L-I-K-E. And the reason is because he doesn't have the words. He, he doesn't have the vocabulary to explain what it is he's seen. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have the descriptors that are necessary for us to capture everything. So you've got to use your imagination with him as he's going through the description. It'd be like you getting in a time machine and going back for 2,000 years. And you go back to, to the, the first century, 2,000 years, and you now are trying to explain television to the people that lived 2,000 years ago. Uh, to people that lived 200 years ago, it wouldn't be any different. You're trying to explain television. Well, there's a box and, and uh, there's people that you can see in it and there's big tall buildings in there and there's horses and, and there's all cars. And how big, how big is this box that you're talking about? How, how in the world could all that fit in some box? Well, it's not really that big. It's actually, you can get little tiny ones. What? You, it doesn't make any sense. Or try to explain a car to them. What, what makes it go? Are there horses that, that pull this thing? No, no. Yeah, they're pistons. What are pistons? And, and there's gasoline. What is gasoline? You can't explain it. You don't have the words. You don't have the descriptors. Or ice cream. Try explaining ice cream. Or the space shuttle. Or your cell phone. And it's not long until they begin to say, you are a nut. You are a crazy person. Because you don't have the words. And this is John. And he's in heaven. And he doesn't have the words. 
but he's trying, and that's why he uses like over and over and over. So you're going to have to walk with us through it is what he's really saying to us. In Psalm 103 verse 19, it says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. There is a king in heaven on the throne. It is God. And now he says, let me introduce this God to you. And the first description he uses is this. To look at God would be like to look at a jasper stone that is as clear as crystal. Now, I'm going to tell you, that might have meant something to people in first century, but it, I, what? A jasper stone. I don't even know what a jasper stone, stone is. I mean, I can look it up. I can sort of, but he doesn't even describe it the way it looked like because he says it is clear. It is clear as crystal. What he's really describing is this, and so think with me in 21st century terms. Imagine on the throne is this humongous diamond. And what he's describing is, is that there is light coming through the back of this diamond, and as the light hits the diamond, in every face of the diamond, everywhere it goes, it explodes through all of that diamond. Every direction the light explodes. That's what he's actually trying to explain. He is trying to explain this Shekinah glory. He is trying to explain this amazing light that is coming out of the throne, and it just glows everywhere. And it's the first part of the description that makes sense to him, this light that is emulating everywhere. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And when we read the verse, we sort of think, well, that's figurative. God is light. That's figurative. But what if it's actually not? Because the, the, the word light, this, this whole aura is used all the time to describe God. Take, take, for instance, in Revelation 21, verse 23, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, there is no more night. They will not need the lamp, the light of a lamp, or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and he, they will reign forever and ever. There is a brilliance that is coming out of this throne. That brilliance, that light, is simply the Shekinah glory coming from the presence, the person that is on that throne. The Living Bible does, a, I think, a better job of explaining this and listen to what the Living Bible says in, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 3. Great bursts of light flashed forth from him as from a glittering diamond or from a shining ruby and a rainbow glowing like an emerald encircled the throne. Here is this throne and this light that is bursting out in every direction, the Shekinah glory of God. And there is a person, there is a presence, someone, he says, that is on the throne is God. And there is a rainbow that is emerald green. We think of, of rainbows being from one horizon to the next horizon, but this is a rainbow that goes in a furl circle, a complete circle, all the way around the throne. Are you seeing it? You see this emerald rainbow and this light emulating out of the throne? It's just brilliant, it's shining. 
And there's a presence on that throne. And notice what he says in verse 5. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumble of thunder. Now, when we hear of lightning and thunder, we get scared. But there's no fear in this scene. There's no sense of fear. There is an amazing calm and peace. This presence is a wonderful sense of presence. A, a love that emulates from this throne that we, we have never felt in our life. There is no sight like this one. There is no peace like this one. There is no sense of common love and acceptance like this one. There is no greater demonstration of power like this one. What John is actually doing is he is describing a sense of awe, a sense of power that is coming from this throne. Sometimes what happens, little children come to know Jesus as Savior, and yea, God, they do. And then they become teenagers, and they've heard all of this, and they, they start losing their sense of awe. Yeah, Jesus walked on the water, and, and he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes. And it's, it's a loss of awe. And adults oftentimes lose the sense of awe and power and wonder. And what John is saying, no, bring it back. This awe and power that comes from the throne. Grasp this awe that is coming off of this throne. And then he says, the throne, the light, the emerald rainbow. And in verse 11, he says, oh, you are worthy. Oh, Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. And that phrase, you created what you please, simply meant the sovereignty of God. God, whatever you wanted, you did. You are sovereign. You're in control. You're not dependent upon us. You're not dependent upon our decisions. You're not dependent upon on how we act. You are the sovereign Lord in charge of the universe. And oh God, I see it. I see the wonder, the power, the glory, the awe of you on this throne. That's what he's describing. And now, the scene he says around God's throne will be the most awesome sight that we've ever seen. Notice how he continues to describe it. There are 24 thrones. There are 24 thrones. He says in verse 4, 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them and they were clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. Now, who are these 24 elders and these 24 thrones? And you will read all kinds of explanations because it's all speculation. It's all we've got. I will only be able to give you speculation and that's what anybody else will be able to give you. So what's the Mark Hartman speculation? Well, I've got one. I've got an opinion about almost anything. So what is this, these 24 thrones? I, when, there's a couple of places in the book of Revelation in which they use 24, and then they give the explanation of it. And it says, well, this represents the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. 
And that's how the description is. The 24, it is, it is the Old Testament saints, sort of representative of the Old Testament saints, and the church in the New Testament, us. I think that's what it is. I think around the throne, 24, it's just speculation, and other people won't agree with me, and it's okay. The Old Testament saints are there represented at the throne, and the New Testament church is represented at the throne. And we all got to heaven exactly the same way. How do we get to heaven, we that know Jesus Christ as our Savior? We get to heaven by the grace of God, <laughs> not by us, not by our performance, by only the grace of God because of what Jesus Christ did for us, by faith in, great, in the grace of God, of the finished work of Jesus. In other words, we get to heaven by simply looking at who Jesus is, the Son of the living God, who came and died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sin, rose again from the grave, and when he rose from the grave, he showed that everything he said about God, everything he said about him, everything he said about us, everything he, he said about sin and salvation was absolutely true. He rose from the grave. And we are saved by simply trusting in what Jesus Christ has already done for us, the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Did you know in the Old Testament they were saved the same way? By looking at the coming Messiah and the promise of God and trusting in what God said. They're saved in the Old Testament by grace through faith and we're saved in the New Testament by grace through faith. The 24 thrones. The second thing we see is that there are seven lamps blazing. Revelation chapter 4 verse 5. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing, and these are the seven spirits of God. Is that confusing or what? Seven spirits. I mean, I know about the Holy Spirit, but seven spirits of God. So what is this? What, what are these, these blazing lamps, seven lamps that are blazing? They represent the Holy Spirit. We know that. We also know that seven is the number of completeness. We also know that the symbol of the Holy Spirit is flame of fire. You remember in, in, um, uh, when, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and little, uh, the, the, the fire that was on top of their heads as the Holy Spirit came to, to indwell them? It, the flame of fire is a representation of the Holy Spirit. So... I've only got one thing to help you and me with, and that is one verse in Isaiah chapter 11, verse two. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Seven descriptors of the Holy Spirit. That's the best I got. But it is the representation of the Holy Spirit before the throne. The third is, there is a sea of glass. Revelation 4, 6, and also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Here he is, there is this throne, there is this light that is emulating, that is going out everywhere. There is this rainbow, green emerald rainbow that is around the throne. There are 24 thrones there is the presence of the Holy Spirit and there is the sea 
that is so clean, crystal clean and transparent. What I've been amazed about is when I look at the descriptions of, the, of, the, of heaven everywhere in the Bible, and especially the book of Revelation, it's all transparent. Everything is transparent. Why? I mean, even things that aren't transparent are in heaven, they are transparent. And I, it's just my guess, I think it's because the glory of God can go through it, and everywhere you are in heaven, no matter where you are in heaven, you can see the glory. You can see the presence of God. And then the fourth is this. There are four living creatures. Revelation chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes. In front and in back. And the first living creature was like a lion, and the second like an ox, and the third like the face of a man, and the fourth like a flying eagle. And each of these living creatures had had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. What? But we know who these are. Simply because we see the very same description in the book of Ezekiel and the book of Isaiah. These creatures, four creatures, are angels. And they are giant angels around the throne of God. So here is John. Do you get it? Do you see it? There is this throne. There is this Shekinah glory bursting out. There is this rainbow. There, there, there are the other 24 thrones that are around with the elders on it representing Old Testament, New Testament saints, Mark Hartman thinks. And there is the Holy Spirit's presence. There's this sea that, you, that is transparent. And these are the giant angels. And not just four. There are others, the Bible says, and they are all around the throne. And the whole purpose of all of this is to say, this is power. This is control. This is the love of God. This is the peace of God. This is God. There's a presence on the throne. Why did God show John? You see, I'm missing something. What does God face, God's face looks like? What, did, did it have hands and legs and feet and all that? We're not given that. You know what I think? I think because if he would have tried to do that, we'd be building images trying to match what he was saying. We have nothing to make. There's a presence. There's a presence on the throne. And here's what I think this whole thing is about. He is saying to you and me, we can face any problem with confidence because God is reigning on his throne. There is a God on the throne who cares about the mortgage. There is a God on the throne who cares about the problem that I'm going through, the struggle and the hurt I'm going through. Yes, I'm going through pain, and yes, I am sad, and yes, I am experiencing that, but there is a God on the throne, and he loves me, and he is for me, and I am going to see him. He is in control. He is sovereign. I want you to think about 
the words that have been said from this throne. In the beginning, there was nothing. And then with just a word spoken, all of creation burst into being. All of creation, all the universe exploded into being. And the word that caused it to happen was spoken from this throne. God said, let us make man in our own image. And when he made that statement, those words were spoken from this throne. When the burning bush with Moses happened and that bush would not be consumed and it was God speaking to Moses through that burning bush, those words came from this throne. When Jesus came up out of the water and the voice of the Lord said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, those words came from this throne. And when you came into being, he called you into being. I understand science. I understand how all this works. But I also understand this. There is no accident, no accidental person. Every person is on purpose. And every person is called into being by God himself, and that includes you. You mean something to him. All of life is sacred to him. And he called you into being from this throne. And here's what he's saying to us. God sees everything. He sees what's happening in your life. And he cares about you. He sees what's going on in your family. He sees what's happening in our church. He sees what's happening in our nation. And all the confusion that's going on. He sees what is going on in the world. And here's what he says to you. I want to remind you who I am. I am sovereign God. And I am in control. That's what he's saying to us. So here is what he says to us. Now here's how I want you to live. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Do justice. In every aspect of your life, do justice. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, he is inviting you to become his child. And he is saying to you, look at who I am. Look at my power. Look that I am the God of the universe. Look what my son did for you dying on the cross, paying the price for your sin, rising again from the grave. And I offer to you the gift of eternal life. And if by faith you would simply give your heart to me, turn from your sin and your rejection of me, and turn your heart by faith to me, I'll save you. I will welcome you into my family. And would you do it today? Would you give your heart to Christ today? And how could you not? I mean, how could anyone with a brain not? I mean, that's, I shouldn't have said that part. How could anyone not? <sighs> Given who God is. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, he says to you this. Here's how I want you to live. Do unto others 
as you would want others to do to you. Not how others do to you, but as you would want others to do to you. Do that. Love God with all your heart and love others the way God has told you to do. And he's, Jesus said, if you do this, you're living the right way. Loving God and loving others. And that's the invitation. And, and what's the draw? It's the presence on the throne and the glory and the awesomeness and the power. And one day I'll stand in front of that God I want to hear him say, well done. Don't you? Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and oh God, we needed to see again the awe and the wonder of you. Thank you for giving us this picture through the Apostle John at that moment. We needed it. We needed to see it again. And oh God, we ask that you would give us the power and the strength that we need every day to be the right kind of person. And I pray, Father, that you would move in hearts today that have not received Jesus, that this is the day of salvation. This is the day they come to meet the God that made them and that they would give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. God, I pray for those who are online and watching this service that this would be the day of salvation for them, that they would get on their knees. Oh, God, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and I give you my heart. Father, help us that know you to get our act together and obey you and live like you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.